0: Welcome to episode 391 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, where every week I talk about the inner workings of the entertainment industry with those who have lived it and experienced it. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and if you haven't yet, be sure to check out the last episode where I had the pleasure of chatting with actor Bruce Davison. You might recognize him uh, from many films throughout his uh, five-decade career, including MAME, with Lucille Ball. He also played Senator Robert Kelly in the X-Men movies. Just a great career he's had, and he told some great stories on the last episode, so definitely go check that out. And we talk about more great stories on this week's episode, where I have the pleasure of chatting with award-winning director Jeff Margolis. And it's interesting how this interview actually came about. So I've explained the process of how I book interviews on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I reached out to this publicist and asked for, um, you know, another actor to promote a, uh, an upcoming movie. And um, they weren't available, but the publicist said, well, how would you feel about chatting with Jeff Margolis? And I did some research on, you know, his background and his career and his career has been pretty extraordinary from uh, winning Emmy awards. um, He's also directed, Um, the Academy Awards numerous times, and it's just a really, really fascinating story that he has, and it's so fascinating that he actually just released his uh, memoir called We're Live in Five, My Extraordinary Life in Television. If you're listening to this the day it drops, which is February 12th, it will be out tomorrow um, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, really anywhere you can get books. And uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes where you can find his book. I'm really excited to dive in and read it because um, we really just scratched the surface uh, in this chat because you know, unfortunately I was under a, a pretty tight window um, to be able to chat with him. But the good thing is uh, after I read the book, I am going to have him back on the show and we're going to do you know like a review of the book and talk about more stories uh, that he's had throughout his career. So Really, really great chat if you're into the inner workings, as I say it at the beginning of every episode, the inner workings of film, and in this case, television, you're going to love this chat. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jeff Margolis. Happy to be here with my very special guest this week, award-winning director and now author, Jeff Margolis. Jeff, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. And I've I've been really excited to have this chat with you, you know, in and reading about your career and, you know, now you've got your book coming out. Um, because I'm a I'm a film and TV nut, especially with the behind the scenes portion of it. And right. having, you know, dabbled in filmmaking a little bit and I've also worked um in production and sports for several years. Um up until about a couple of years ago. So I, I'm really excited to to have this chat with you and pick your brain.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah. here for
0: it. <laughs> for sure. So I always like to start out the conversations with this because as I'm sure you know from you know your own personal journey and other stories that, that you've heard from those that work in the industry, right. there's never a how-to guidebook. There's not like a set way to get into film or TV. So What is your story? How did you decide that this is what you wanted to ultimately do?
1: Well, it's very clear in the book, the first couple chapters, you know, uh, but basically my dad was in the electronics business. And when I was five years old, one night he brought home this little box that had a piece of glass on the front of it. He plugged it into the wall and there were people inside that box. And I was fascinated, but I saw. Tried to figure out how they got in there and how they got small and all that. Anyway, that's sort of where it started. And uh, it was at a time when, you know, I, I know a lot of parents now are giving their kids time limits on phones and computers and all that because there's so much going on. But. My parents uh, never gave me, as they said to me, as long as, you, as I grew up, as long as you get your homework done, you get enough sleep, you can watch as much television as you want. So I did. And uh, I learned a lot. And as I got older, I wanted to know how it was made. I wanted to know who decided what color the lights should be and who decided on the sets and the costumes and yeah, all of that. And uh, by the time I was in junior high school, there was a shop teacher there who offered a class in scenery making and sound and lights and all that in the school auditorium. So I got involved there. And I started watching more and more television and realized that I really liked the entertainment part of television. I liked variety shows. And uh, I'm trying to think. uh, So I guess it was the end of junior high school, the beginning of high school. I started watching the Academy Awards. I thought, man, one day I want to direct that show. You know, that was sort of my dream. And I started doing cue cards. I got into television. I had a... I was fortunate enough to have a family member who was a big deal. His name was Monty Hall. He had a show on NBC called Let's Make a Deal. And uh, he just opened the door for me. You know, I said to him, can you help me? I was going to UCLA at the time. I Let me back up a step. My parents and my grandparents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. So, As most parents do. Right. So I graduated from high school and I got accepted to USC as a pre-med student. And I went in there and about halfway through my first semester I said, no, I'm not dissecting any more frogs. I can't stand the sight of blood. And so uh, I I changed schools. I went to UCLA which had the at that time the only television school really in the country. So I was going to UCLA. I went and spoke to my uncle Monty and said, I really want to be in it. I want to be in a studio. I want to be there. Even though I'm going to school, I want to see how it's. So he opened a door for me and I got a job doing cue cards. You know what those are, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people call them idiot cards. And, uh, I went to work on let's make a deal. And then, uh, got also asked to do the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. And so I became friendly with Tommy Smothers on that show. And uh, the Smothers Brothers led me to the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. And I went from cue cards to being the uh, associate director on the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. And uh, then my first network Primetime series, variety series it was on CBS, Tony Orlando and Don. I don't know if you remember that or your listeners remember that. These are the early days of variety television. You know, the Smothers Brothers and Laughing were kind of the two shows that really changed the face of television. And I was fortunate enough to be right there in the infancy of television, when the variety shows were growing, we could try new things. We could do anything we wanted to do and uh, make it work. And uh, so <clears throat> from Sonny and Cher, <clears throat> excuse me, and Tony Orlando and Don, I just, after that started doing uh, one-off specials and other series and I was young and I was talented and I was asked by a lot of producers and a lot of network executives to do a lot of shows. So what I say to you is that it's nice to know somebody who can open a door for you. A lot of people don't have that opportunity, but the most important thing is that you have to have the talent You have to have the desire to do what you want to do, be a producer, a director, a lighting designer, a production designer, whatever it is. You need to have the talent and you've got to have the passion to really want to do it. And you've got to be better than anybody else. That's the way you have to look at it. You just have to be better than anybody else. And uh, so I kept doing specials and series and, I finally got asked to do the Academy Awards. And so my How dream... was that feeling? Well, you know, it was something I, I always wanted to do, and my dream came true. You know, so it was uh, quite an accomplishment when I got asked to do that.
0: I can imagine so, because, you know, that's... Regardless of how you feel about the Oscars, it's like you always have to at least be aware of it because it is like it's a celebration of film and you know I preach uh, on the show all the time that you know I envy like great sculptors or painters that can create these you know beautiful pieces of art of course but but I think film and TV are the greatest forms of art there is because you can just tell so many different types of stories and so many different emotions with the acting. You throw in, you know, a good score. You throw in a good director. So many things that go into it. And I, I think, you know, the the Academy Awards are no exception because you want it to be special because it's it's like the biggest party in the world.
1: Well, every award show that I did, and I <clears throat> pretty much have done them all, um, each one of them, is special in its own way. You know, the Academy Awards honors film. The Screen Actors Guild Awards honors actors only in film and television. And uh, the Grammys is music, the American Music Awards music, as you well know. And uh, I always, each one of these shows, I always, put my signature, you know, like Picasso signed all his paintings, all those famous artists. I think directors in television and film are doing art. We're painting pictures for you to sit at home and enjoy. We're just painting moving pictures instead of still pictures. Same right. thing. So when I do uh big event specials that are done in an arena or a theater. I always put myself, when I'm directing the shows, I always put myself in the fifth row center of the auditorium, theater, the venue, and I try and shoot the show as a director the way I would wanna see it if I were sitting at home. I want everybody at home to feel like they're part of the event, like they're sitting in the audience and part of the event. So it's a challenge. It's a difficult thing to do, but that's what I've always done. And And that's been successful for me.
0: Yeah. And I can imagine so, because, you know, with, with the Oscars, you have so many moving parts, you know, with bringing out the presenters and then you bring up the award recipients and you cut to a different segment and so on and so forth. But it's, it's, it's gone together pretty seamlessly, you know, and I think, you know, it does a really good job and I would give you the majority of the credit for that is you do feel like you're there.
1: Right. Right. And people who watch television don't realize really what goes into it. They have no idea and they're not supposed to, they're supposed to watch, pick a program, watch it and enjoy it. But Though all of those big award shows, especially the Oscars, take it takes for the director, the producer, the director, takes about four to five months of work. And the the last few months are 24-7. You, you really do work that hard to put all the pieces together, like you said. There are a lot of puzzle pieces, and there are a lot of moving parts to these award shows. You know, the getting everybody there. And then once you get them there where they're supposed to be, then you gotta get them on stage where they're supposed to be there doing what they're supposed to be doing. And mixing musical performances with clips from shows that you have to show, and uh getting presenters, I mean it's 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 a lot of work.
0: It's a and, lot of work,
1: but it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, something that, not to discredit any of the other awards, ceremonies, or shows, something that the Oscars, I think, does better than anybody else is creating or capturing the various emotions. You know, like you have these heartfelt speeches of, you know, an actor or a director that has been waiting their whole career to win this award. And you see the tears right. in their eyes and just the pure excitement. And then you have the, you know, the in-memoriam package that's done for those that have passed away. Right. And I think, you know, it just captures so many emotions mm-hmm. very well. Yes.
1: The in-memoriam package, uh, in the first year that I did the Oscars, The producer was a gentleman named Alan Carr. And the Academy really wanted the show to be different. And Alan was the guy to do it. He was a Broadway producer and a movie producer. He'd never produced a live television show before. So it was a challenge for me. Fortunately, Alan and I knew each other and we'd worked together before. And uh, because he was a handful, you know, he... Because he'd never done a live television show before, he wanted to do everything. And uh, there are certain things that don't work on television, like they work in the Broadway, in a Broadway theater, you know, Uh, or when you're making a movie. So uh, it was quite a challenge. But we did a couple things on that show. First of all, when the envelope is open now, you'll notice on all award shows, and this is something we started the year that we did the show, people used to open the envelope and say, and the winner is. And Alan and I felt that every nominee won. Every, every nominee that got selected for doing good work won. So instead of opening the envelope and saying the winner is, we open the envelope and said, the Oscar goes to. And all the shows have talked to that. Now it's the Grammy goes to the American Music Award goes to, you know. So that's one thing that stuck, which was kind of a good thing. The other thing I was going to tell you mentioned in in memoriam, what the Oscars used to do is they used to take one famous movie star who passed away that year, and they used to do a, a package on that person. And Alan and I sort of thought, well, there's so many people involved. There, there are a lot of stars that pass away during the year. And there are a lot of other people. Be- this is the Academy Awards. It's about people who make movies. It's not just the stars. It's about everybody. So why don't we make the package? Why don't we acknowledge everybody who we've lost during the year? And it be- became a big deal and uh very accepted it was very sad it was sad to see all those people go it was sad to see one person but when you had 30 or 40 it was that much more you know got to you that much more mm-hmm.
0: i remember so the first time I saw... two... oh go ahead i
1: was just gonna say those are two things that we did that sort of stuck on all the award shows over the years i watched the grammy awards last night and i thought the in memoriam package was absolutely spectacular the way that mm-hmm. they did it it yeah. was unbelievable yeah you, you started to say something i interrupted you. oh I'm no sorry. no
0: worries no i, I was just going to say that you know i agree with you in the sense that i'm glad it's stuck because there are so many people that are involved in the filmmaking process that people may not know about because people think right. of you know the actors they think of you know the directors and you know, your composers like your John Williams or your Hans Zimmers, but yes, There a film is a big machine and it takes a lot of cogs to make that machine run. So that, the fact that you guys pay tribute to everyone from, you know, lighting to producing, to right. acting, all of it, I think is it's a really beautiful thing.
1: Well, one of the things that we tried to do over the years, I then produced the show with Gil Cates for a number of years, and then Quincy Jones and I did it. And um, one of the things that was really important to us on the Oscars is when we started doing the Oscars, we learned that people were really interested in only certain awards. They were interested in Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor and actress best director and best picture those were really the awards that anybody cared about so we thought we would do like a production number around costume design and take the five nominated costume designers and do build a production number with the choreographer where the um dancers could wear the wardrobe that was being nominated, you know, things like that. And we put together a big production number. So we tried to do that with a number of awards that we could, you know, we made um, animated shorts. We made a big deal out of animated shorts. And and, uh, we tried to do, we tried to acknowledge every award over the years and show the audience that that they were all important, not just those six
0: yeah. No, ab- absolutely. No, it, it filmmaking is such a big accomplishment And those that have never done it or dabbled in it. They don't. You can't understand the work that goes into it until you experience it. So I think absolutely. to I think to acknowledge all the different categories is so, so important.
1: Yeah. Film is very to make a movie is a lot of work and it's very difficult to make a good television show is the same. It just doesn't take as much time. One of the reasons that I decided to go into television instead of film is because I like the immediacy of television. You know, it happens much, much faster. And on these award shows, there are no second takes. There are no, let's do that again. You know, it it's, That's what I love. I always sort of, when I sit in the control room, when I sit in the director's chair and we count down, I mean, my book is called We're Live in Five, My Extraordinary Life in Television, because the last things you hear on an award show are we're live in five, four, three, two, one, then you're on the air. And I always, at the end of the countdown, I always felt like I was the same as an as a jet airline pilot, you know, once they push that throttle forward and that plane starts to go, they've, they've made a commitment. They gotta get it off the ground and get it up in the air as fast as they can. Doing a live television shows the same way, five, four, three, two, one, that's it. You know, whatever happens, happens. And that's one of the great things about doing live television, is that whatever happens, happens. A lot of people like to see when there are mistakes. They like to see things it like that. It
0: humanizes them.
1: It humanizes the shows, absolutely. So we try and do the best we can, you know, but um, when you're live on the air and uh, the winner is announced and the winner comes up and makes an acceptance speech, you have no idea what they're going to say and what direction they're going to go. And that's why that the the music playoff was created. You know, when people start to talk too long, and the music starts to sneak in, and then it gets louder and louder. And there are a number of people, like you said earlier on in this discussion, there are a number of people who would get up there and they would talk a little bit too loud. We give him, we give you forty-five seconds, is what we tell you. Forty, you can say a lot in forty-five seconds. That's enough. And it's a it's a big show. It's three, it's supposed to be three hours, three and a half hours, help us get there. Make your speeches 45 seconds. So there are a lot of people who hear the music and they say, wait a second, I worked my whole life to get up here, don't cut me off. And then what do you do? You know, that's part of the challenge of doing a live show too, because there's somebody sitting behind you from the network that's saying, you know, when you get to the next commercial break, saying how, how long are we, how much over are we, and how are you gonna make up the time? And so you have to have a couple of insurance policies along the way to try and get you back to the three or three and a half hours. Sometimes it happens, most of the time it doesn't. You do the best you can, but.
0: At the end of the day, that's all we
1: can do. Yeah, you do the best you can. Yep. That's all you can do.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, as we start to wrap up here, you, you mentioned it was actually an excellent segue to your book. Um, so tell everyone, you know, uh, the, the, uh, reiterate the name of the book and um, where people can get it.
1: It's called We're Live in Five, My Extraordinary Life in Television. And my life has been extraordinary in television. I've been blessed. I've met everybody. I've done everything. It's been wonderful. You can get the book on Amazon. It's coming out February 13th. You can pre-order it right now if you want, but it's coming out next week. And you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Target. And uh, it's really a good read. It's a lot of fun. And I think for students of film and television, it's also a good read because, you know, there's some... I share everything, and I tell you how i got to where i got and when i got there how i moved in other directions and 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 then it's fun and then there's stories about all of these great shows that i've been involved in and the great people that i've had an opportunity to work with and i've traveled the world doing television shows and i talk about that so it's a fun read
0: uh, i can't wait to read it as i'm i'm stoked for it um, Do you have a thank website you. that you'd like to plug so the uh, viewers and listeners can find out more about you?
1: Jeff Margolis Productions is my production company, and you can Google it and learn a lot more about what we've done over the years.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat. This has been an honor.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime you want me to come back after the book comes out, I'd be happy to.
0: Thank you again to Jeff Margolis for that awesome chat. Be sure to get his book, We're Live in Five, My Extraordinary Life in Television, on Amazon. You can find it at Barnes & Noble. It'll be available February 13th. You can find a link to purchase the book in the show notes. And as I said in the intro, can't wait to have him back on to talk even more about his career. For next week, I'm going to be chatting with screenwriter James Roberts. His uh, film that he wrote, called "Here for Blood," which is kind of a take on you know the over-the-top um, horror slash comedy genre, um, is currently available to view on Screenbox. So he'll be coming on the show to talk about you know how the story was created, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes um, aspects of it. Really cool chat, great guy, and can't wait for you to hear that fun episode. But until then, if you want to check out past episodes of the podcast. If you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, if you want to follow me on social media, head over to linktree.com slash Podcast. Everything is in one convenient location. No bouncing around to different platforms to try and find everything. Everything is in one convenient location, linktree.com slash Podcast. And don't forget, in just over a month, we're going to be celebrating 10 years of the Derek Diamond experience. And I put a poll out Uh, on social media, and it seems like the overwhelming choice for what you, the listeners, want to hear is a top 10 list. I normally do top 5 lists once a month, but I think, I can think of a few things that would definitely be top 10 worthy, but I will be putting a poll out uh, probably later this week or maybe early next to uh, give you guys some options on the list that you would like to hear so but it's going to be fun you know ever since I incorporated the top five list into the show it's become probably the most popular thing that I do so uh, just bringing it to another level for a special occasion is going to be really cool I can't believe that we're about to hit the 10-year mark of this podcast and then shortly after that is the 400th episode you're still figuring out exactly what I want to do with that but Got a, got a little bit of time. So just stay tuned to find out exactly uh, what we'll be doing for episode 400. But I'm just rambling at this point. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next week for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Derek!